Every individual arrived with his hands in his pockets. A hand came out occasionally for a purpose, but it always went back again after service. And if it was the head that was served, just the cant that the dilapidated straw hat got by being uplifted and rooted under, was retained until the next call altered the inclination. Many hats were present, but none were erect, and no two were canted just alike. We are speaking impartially of men, youths, and boys— And we are also speaking of these three estates when we say that every individual was either chewing natural leaf tobacco prepared on his own premises, or smoking the same in a corncob pipe. Few of the men wore whiskers, none wore mustaches, some had a thick jungle of hair under the chin and hiding the throat, the only pattern recognized there as being the correct thing in whiskers, but no part of any individual's face had seen a razor for a week. These neighbors stood a few moments, looking at the mail carrier reflectively while he talked. But fatigue soon began to show itself, and one after another they climbed up and occupied the top rail of the fence, hump-shouldered and grave, like a company of buzzards assembled for supper and listening for the death-rattle. Old Damrell said, "'I ain't no news about the judge, he ain't likely.' "'Can't tell for certain.' Some things he's gwine to belong directly, and some things he ain't. Russ Mosley, he told old Hanks, he might get to Obed's tomorrow next day, he reckon. Well, I wish I knowed. I got a prime sow and pigs in the coat house, and I ain't got no place for to put em. If the judges are gwine to hold court, I got to roust em out, I reckon. But tomorrow do, I expect. The speaker bunched his thick lips together like the stem end of a tomato and shot a bumblebee dead that had lit on a weed seven feet away. One after another, the several chewers expressed a charge of tobacco juice and delivered it at the deceased with steady aim and faultless accuracy. "'Was the stern down by the forks?' continued old Damrell. "'Well, I don't know, scarcely. Old Drake Higgins—' He's been down to Shelby last week, talk his crap down, couldn't get shed of the most of it. It warn't no time for to sell, he says. So he fudge it back again, long to wait till fall. Talks about going to Missouri. Lots of them's talking that away down there. Old Higgins say, can't make a living here no more, such times as these. Say, Higgins, he's been over to Cain Tuck and married a high-toned gal uh, out in the Falls families, and he's coming back to the Falls with just a... Hell's men a whoop jamboree notions, folks say. He's tuckin' fixed up the old house like they does in Cane Tuck, he say, and there's been folks come clear from turpentine for to see it. He's tuckin' gone it all over on the inside with plasterin'. What's plasterin'? I don't know. It's what he calls it. Old Ma'am Higgins, she told me. She says she won't go in and hang out in no such a darn hole like a hog. Says it's mud. Or some such kind of nastiness that sticks on and kivers up everything. Plastering, Si calls it. This marvel was discussed at considerable length, and almost with animation. But presently there was a dogfight over in the neighborhood of the blacksmith shop, and the visitors slid off their perch like so many turtles and strode to the battlefield with an interest bordering on eagerness. The squire remained and read his letter. Then he sighed and sat long in meditation. At intervals he said, Missouri, Missouri, well, well, well.
Everything is so uncertain. At last he said, I believe I'll do it. A man will just rot here. My house, my yard, everything around me, in fact, shows that I am becoming one of these cattle, and I used to be thrifty in other times. He was not more than thirty-five, but he had a worn look that made him seem older. He left the stile, entered that part of his house which was the store, traded a quart of thick molasses for a coonskin and a cake of beeswax to an old dame in Lindsay Woolsey, put his letter away, and went into the kitchen. His wife was there, constructing some dried apple pies. A slovenly urchin of ten was dreaming over a rude weather vane of his own contriving. His small sister, close upon four years of age, was sopping cornbread and some gravy left in the bottom of a frying pan and trying hard not to sop over a finger mark that divided the pan through the middle, for the other side belonged to the brother whose mutual...